One Life Lives, the power of people. So today we're down in South East London, home to the My Soul family, where old school to new cool records are collated and clearly leading the way on their voyage. And if I'm right in saying, South East London is also where you grew up, Gordon? Yep, that's right. I'm a Woolworth Road boy. And what was childhood like for you? Um, it was really good. I lived in a really happy family. Um, Apart from the dad leaving when I was about seven, but I mean, other than that, I lived with Nan and some Granddad and my mum, and so so we, we all had a really happy family down in Woolworth Road. Um, music was big to us, um, soulful stuff. I grew up with uh, you got to remember I was born in 1960, so the whole of the 60s it was Aretha Franklin, it was all the kind of soulful stuff. It was mm. um, Dionne Warwick. I grew up on a diet of Dionne Warwick and Herb Alpert and love songs and stuff like that. Really, yeah, nice and reggae. Because by about 1968, my cousin has big influence on my music choices. She went out of a skinhead up at the um, Chelsea Shed. And this is when skinheads were into soul, um, reggae and um, blue beat and ska. And so she had this amazing collection of records, which I, I've still got now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so do you think you would have like been so passionate about music if you hadn't have been brought up around it? I think, yeah, no, I think I think that kind of it is a big influence. My granddad was known for um, having a parsley to drop of a hat, so he'd have a parsley for any reason, really. And he would um, go and get his trilby on and type dance and have people dancing on tables and kind of he was a real parsley animal, which I probably is where I get it from. Cool. So, who, who did you live with at home then? Uh, my mum, my nan, and my granddad. 
Oh, nice. And who would you say you aspire to most in your life and why? Uh, I think probably my mum, because nothing's uh, phased her. She's just been there. She's supported. She's done it. No matter what happens to the family or whatever, ups and downs, all the rest of it, her and my stepfather, because he took us on, this is going back from 1967, 68, he took on uh, this family mm. and... He, he's just he's still with my mum now just been an amazing man and he's the one that brought me up yeah. he's the one who kind of I learnt my you know um, what to do what's right what's wrong stuff like that and kind of yeah. all, all that kind of side of things and do you speak to your dad? Uh, he's passed away we, we buried him last year we still talk we, we, we've still fought and talked <laughs> until the end we kind of uh, we had a, a crazy kind of relationship we were more mates um, mm. than father and son or anything like that well, it's good that you still kept in yeah, contact no, with him. Yeah, no, well, nobody else wouldn't talk to him, so I thought I might as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's a joke. That's bad humour. <laughs> gets to know me well. You'll know that side of me. <laughs> so your first song choice, what yes. have you got for us? Uh, oh, dear. When, when somebody says, I mean, I've been collecting records now since I've been stealing them from my cousin in 1968. Um, and I've been, I mean, just, I love so many types of music. So mm. I love soul. Um, I love, I love, I love words. I love soulful words yeah. and kind of I love jazz and I love great songs and that's that's kind of and reggae <laughs> and yeah. and I like a bit of jungle and I like a house and kind of so when somebody says name six songs oh dear I go into a, a black hole indoors called the record vault and just start thinking and end up with about 1500 songs and kind of go okay what's most played on the um, iPad or iTunes <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is something which I used to love when I started DJing back in 1972 and this song came out in the uh, late 70s early 80s I think it's Billy Paul and I heard it the other day Terry Jones a great DJ he yep. played it and I haven't heard anyone play it until he played it the other day and it just regenerated the whole feeling of how much I loved it back then. And I actually went out and dug out the seven-inch record to actually um, play it again and it had a crack in it. So (laughs) it had so many... (laughs) So I actually had to buy it on download. I mean, I've probably bought my whole record collection twice, all the ones I love. But it's this one, Your Song by um, Billy Paul. And you can... It may be a quite, quite a simple butter, but that's how it goes. I hope you don't mind, I hope you don't mind what I go down in words. So that was your song by Billy Paul. Um, Gordon, you've always been passionate about music. Did you intend to make a career out of it? Um, I started uh, back in must be in the late 60s again, I went to a, a Butlins in Bogner, Regis, and um, with my nan and my aunt and my cousin, Mandy, um, who got me into reggae and all this stuff. And um, she sneaked me out the, the bedroom window one night and took me to the Bogner Regis disco in the actual um, <laughs> Butlins. And um, I walked into this room, I was only about sort of eight or something like that. I walked into this room and it was loud music, and it was dark with flashing lights, and it was everybody was dancing. It was kind, of, and I was like, "Oh my god, I want to be in this. This is where I want to be." And from then on, and I always liked listening to the radio. 
I mean, kind yeah. of at the same time, I used to have a Sassity job and used to collect music. So I used to just, I used to go and do my Sassity job down the Wharf Road in the toy shop. And then Sunday morning, go down Three Street Market to A1 Records and buy the seven inch or whatever it is that was good that time, hot chocolate or whatever. Yeah. And so back in the kind of um, late 60s, early 70s, that's kind of what I'd done. Um, and it was a, it was a, a love of music I just love music everybody in the house loved music we kind of danced and partied and kind of any opportunity and um so I I kind of it it just came naturally to me really mm. um and that's what I used to do I used to sort of so and I was DJing so to answer your question I kind of I wanted to be a DJ mm. I didn't I wanted to be a DJ on the radio that's what I wanted to be I, I used to listen to the kind of the my mum bought me a transistor radio in the 60s um, I used to listen to that all the time. And then when Radio 1 started, it was kind of, I was a bit older at that point and really kind of got it all. And used to listen to Kenny Everett and DLT and kind of all these people. And it was like, oh my God, I, I want to do that. I want to be, like, you know, playing records all week long. So it's like people wanted to. And um, so I kind of, when I was young, I sort of applied for all these things and got turned down by everybody because, you know. And is that when Kiss 100 started? Because well, obviously that was initially a pirate radio. Yeah, it, it was actually a bit before that because I started doing mobile discos. So from 72, I started DJing in clubs and, um, well, in <laughs> DJ anyway, I've DJed at um, funerals, I've DJed at uh, bar mitzvahs, I've DJed at uh, weddings and anywhere that would pay me, uh, youth clubs. And so I started DJing like that. Then um, I got interested. I mean, I went from being a club, de- a pub DJ to a club DJ, mm-hmm. and then got in with kind of a set of people which I'm still kind of working with now. You know, Paul Anderson. Yeah, and stuff I like think that. That, I've noticed that, and I think yeah. that's really quite special, right? That's it. I mean, I mean, it's, you look at the DJ roster of my soul, and 50, 60 percent of them I've worked with throughout the last thirty-five mm. years or so, um, and. So I kind of, and my dad said to me once, I, I, was, I was looking at this pipe radio thing and he said to me, he said, if you can do a job where, you, you know, if you can do something that you earn money at, you'll never work a day, day in your life, life if you enjoy it, or something like that. And Find I went, the job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah, yeah. and that's, that's, and thankfully, find some wood in this hellhole, I found it. Um, <laughs> and thankfully, uh, I've been able to do that. Um, and I, I, so I DJ'd, you know, and, um, not really earned a living out of DJing, but kind of it, you know, <laughs> it, it gave me some kind of support. And then um, started up radio, Pirate, and started that up because I couldn't get on anywhere else. And kind of, I wanted to do it my way. I'd, I'd been mm-hmm. on JFM radio. And um, when that came off in the early 85, because uh, I was doing drive time, the guy that ran that said, oh, if you if you get a chance to go on another radio station, you better go on it because you're not very good and you kind of you can't speak properly and blah. so that's okay. That's fair enough. Um, and got the opportunity to start uh, Kiss Up in 1985, and so myself, George Power, Tosca, and uh, an engineer started up Kiss um, in 1985 as a pirate, and I bought them out after a year, um, and then sort of sold yeah. parts of that to the DJs. DJs so yeah. I had. Norman J, Joey J, um, Jonathan Moore, um, Trevor Nelson, I mean, loads more. 
And do you think giving them sh- like shareholding made them more committed? And- yes. Oh no, yeah. definitely. I mean, you know, it's 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 that old saying of, it's uh, you know, you've got a hundred percent of nothing if you've got no money to make it work, mm. or one percent, yeah, sixty percent of something which kind of eight other people, you know, and Sim Westwood had shares in it and stuff like that. And they they bought their shares. They paid two hundred pound for their five percent. Mm. And I sold I sold forty five percent of it off so that I had enough money because a, a transmitter was two hundred pounds. So I had enough money to do nine transmitters, which I thought, right, by the time I've gone through nine transmitters, I must have made enough money to keep going. <laughs> what I hadn't realised was that having nine DJs like that all um, supporting and being part of it, all of a sudden I had nine um, sets of people that um, had great um, contact lists, gotcha. had great contacts, had, you know, sort of wanted to make it work. And that helped KISS to actually get from kind mm. of, you know, where it was when we first started it, mm. to being a leading pirate radio station. Mm. And did you re- think that it was ever going to be as successful as it was? Um, no, I've I never really done a business plan of 35 years and going, well, when we get... Well, I don't know how many years. It doesn't really now, work like that, though, does it? <laughs> Even today. <laughs> no, that's right. It just doesn't work like that. And so I, I kind of... I, I always, always used to do, okay... What do we want to do over the next couple of years? What do we want to do over the next couple of years? So when when it started, it was just to get it on. Once I'd got control of it and got all the other DJs in, then it was kind of, okay, how can we make this a business? Because I'd, yeah. I'd had a year or so to actually look at how you make a radio station earn money in a business. And so it was at that point I kind of went, right, let's try and do this. And... It was a, it was a lobbying machine to actually try and get legal licences mm. for... Um, for London, for England, you know, kind of um, because, you know, when KISS came on in 85, there was two licences for commercial radio, which is Capital and LBC. Now, each of those had two frequencies, so they had an FM and an AM, so mm-hmm. Capital had Capital and Capital Gold, and LBC had LBC Talk Radio and News. And, but that was all the commercial radio stations in London, in the whole of, in a 12 million yeah. market, which is just, it's a, it's a, it's a back then... It was a monopoly. And your second choice of music. Tell My us about this. My second choice of music. Um, well, um, I think it's got to be um, 007. It's a it's an old reggae track, which I don't care how many times I hear it. I don't care how many times I play it. It just it it just reminds me of the old days, but it still it still gives me that kind of that. Um, that good feeling, that kind of little tingle on the back of the neck with the hairs, that's it's kind of... That was 007. So am I right in saying you sold KISS to Bow Media? Um, no, what happened was um, KISS, uh, what I'd done was I exchanged my shares into EMAP shares. Yeah. So um, I kind of, because once you once you become a PLC and everything mm-hmm. else and kind of it was owned by EMAP at that point, so all my shares went into EMAP shares, which was a PLC company. And then I, I, I sold out of um, EMAP, thankfully, at a good time. 
um, before Bell bought them all out and sort of before yeah. they'd hit the kind of... Because um, Bell are like quite prolific, aren't they? Oh, they're quite amazing. I mean, yeah. they, 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 um, they've, taken, they've taken that network on and um, they, 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 they're good people, but I wouldn't want to work for them. So am I right, you sold it for about £40 million pounds. And That's how much it was sold for me, Map Sue Bell. Yeah. Yeah. And out of interest, how was it valued at that amount? Was that f- generally throughout of radio advertising, or was there other sources of in- like income to build it up to that how, value? How how EMAP actually come to that thing, I don't know. I mean, you'd have to ask them. I don't actually know. I, I'd actually left um, shortly before that, yeah. so kind of I was gone. I was out there, but I mean, it was turning over very good money. It was it was when 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 all the stations um, got licenses back in 1990. Um, there was jazz, there was us, there was magic, there was um, uh, classical, and all those stations. Kiss was the first station to actually make a profit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was the most successful one out of all of them. Um, mm-hmm. We turned, we turned over in the second year. Um, in the second year, I think, was, uh, third year, I think, we turned over about eight million pounds, which was kind of back then was quite amazing. Yeah, of course, phenomenal. It's really good. Um, so, if you hadn't started Kiss, what do you reckon you would have done? Goodness me, I'd probably have still been a jobbing DJ. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have Doing been the put, rounds. But yeah, I'd have been putting aerials up, <laughs> putting aerials up at Pirate Radio State. I don't know what I'd have been doing. Um, it would have been something to do with music, DJing. Uh, <laughs> it would have been something to do with DJing, music. I, goodness knows. So you left, um, obviously come away from Kiss, and then you've done other bits. I saw about Colourful Radio. Yeah, and, I uh, went in there for a while. Uh, I actually kind of, when I came out of Kiss... I I had a break for a while because I'd um I I'd, I'd had enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd worked for thirteen years, seven days a week, um, and you know I came out a bit of money, and I was like, hey, let's have some party time. And so <laughs> I, I went off and partied around the world, and got married a few times, got divorced a few times. I love chucking wow. money away, you know I me. Mean? And um, and so we, I then went, opened up a bar and restaurant because I thought, well, if everybody's retiring, you've got to open up a bar and restaurant. You can sit there and have a nice, easy life and blah, 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 blah. And after five years, realised that, A, it was very hard work and B, we was going into a recession, so it's time mm. to get out. That was called Z Bar down in Brixton. Yeah. We used to have a Caribbean restaurant and a bar on the club side of it. It's brilliant. I mean, it's like living in an R&B video every week. Um, but it was hard work. And it got to a point where I kind of... I was missing radio and myself and my partner, my life partner, Deborah, um, we, we kind of have been together 15 years now and we kind of, we came out of the bar and restaurant and we sat there and we both went, what do we want to do now? So I, I got, I done an old marketing um, thing. I got out a clean piece of paper with nothing on it. I said, that is our life because we had no commitments, anything we had. I said, that's our life. We've got no commitments. We've got no, we, can, we can recreate our life how we want to actually do it. What do we want to do? Do we want to stay in the nightlife side of things or do we want to go into daytime work so we have our life back again? What, what do we want to do you know, as, a, as, a, as a couple? And um, we decided that I didn't want to go back into running clubs or back into mm. running nighttime stuff because after five years of promoting... Uh, six nights a week for five years because that's what you're doing when you're running a club and you've got different people on different nights and, yeah, you, and you're kind of and your liver says if you drink any more Jamesons I'm really going to pack up on you <laughs> um, 
It didn't say that, but it felt like it. <laughs> um, I, I kind of got to the point where I was like, I don't want to do it anymore. She went, no, nor do I. Let's let's kind of let's get our life back. So mm-hmm. we we um, she became a a, a PA, um, a top PA, so a, a top businesswoman, um, and that was very very demanding. And I went back into radio, and so a friend of mine, um, Henry Bonsu, said, "Come on, give us some advice. Come on, give us some advice. We need to have we got this um, station." Blah, blah. So I went there, and I, I went there as a one-day kind of advisory thing, and I stayed there for three years just doing bits and pieces and just kind of setting things up. But it was never going to really work how I wanted it to work because the overall theme of the station was a different style of station. It was, it was more They wanted more talk. They wanted more sort of um, stuff like that. They wanted to be like an LBC, really, or something. Yeah. And it wasn't really – it didn't resonate with me what I wanted to do. So I used it as a, a, a place to actually just research the market and look at things. And then um, I moved on and I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah. I knew who I wanted to do it with. I knew all my team. I kind of, and um, my contract came to an end with them. And so I came here. Well, I didn't come here. I, said, I yeah. got hold of my old partner, Martin Strivens, who was um, a business partner from um, Kiss, Kiss Days. He was my finance director, and you know, in any great business, you need to have a, uh, a a man that can read and write and knows the legal side, and knows if you're doing something illegal and mm-hmm. stops you doing it. And you need to have a creative, creative person that can it. actually kind of a, a motivator of people and stuff like that. And that's what I do. I'm the kind of I'm the creative lovey darling. Never, <laughs> and, don't believe that, <laughs> you Gordon. Wouldn't believe that for one moment, <laughs> would you? And, um, and so that's what I do and kind of build teams and kind of get people and get people to buy into the idea and understand it. And so, sort of, and he says, you can't do that. It's illegal. So, I go, okay. And how, can we, it, how yeah. can we do it? Or, or I'll come up with a great scheme and you'll go, that's not going to make any money. It's just going to cost us. And so I'll go back to the drawing board again. And so that's kind of, that's what we do. And he can read and write. So it's brilliant. It works really, <laughs> <Does> really <help>. well. <laughs> so your third song choice. Third song choice. Um, okay. Uh, can I can I play two together? Go on in. So we've got kind we're of have the, like a, the, the, a nice a version, mash. This is a version excursion, okay? <laughs> so this is a version excursion. So there's this amazing track called "Can We Pretend," okay? And it's an old jazz classic. Um, and when you hear it, you're going to melt. You're going to go, "Oh my God!" You just pick such great music. So that's that's the original. That's the first one I'm going to play. But then the second one, which we're going to play, is actually a new housed-up soul house version of it, okay. which is done by a jazz singer called Kathy Cousins from America, who's, who's just sort of got a new album cut out, um, which was produced by the same people as um, Gregory Porter. But one of my very good friends, that's part of the um, part of the, uh, the the my soul family, um, Brian Power. Mm-hmm. He's actually taken it and remixed it with the real people, people, and there's a whole load of people and put real instruments, other real, uh, and made it this soulful house track. So I just want to like play the original and the new. Yeah. Sonic. So we're going to play the original first of all. Okay. So here you go. Okay, <laughs> DJ so... Link, here they are. Version <laughs> excursion, man. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a mix up, Gordon's mashup of Can We Pretend? Pretend that from now on there is no yesterday. Paint a portrait of tomorrow 
to the business side of things do you think you're passionate about business or is being the boss man more about having freedom yeah basically <laughs> um no but how do i answer that truthfully i don't um it's all about i love good bit no i, I just love that I, it goes back to that whole thing of i constantly try to build a business that can earn me money and pay me a wage mm-hmm that I'm doing something that I love doing. Yeah. And, you know, if if there's one thing I love doing, it's music. I love new music. I love hearing new music. I love talking about it. I love playing it to other people. All my life, I've kind of, from when I was young, uh, me and a friend of mine called Roy the Roach, we nearly wrote a book once called Why Is Winning So Shit? And it was all, <laughs> it was going to be all about, back in, back in the 70s, me and him and all these DJs that promoted this black music were out there trying to play black music that wasn't just the shy lights or the stylistics, mm-hmm. but was kind of real black music, fatback band and yeah. you know, uh, cool in the gang and stuff like that. And we, we was kind of yeah. we was out there playing it, and there was a there was a small sector of us um, that grew and grew and grew, you know. And people like Chris Hill and Froggy, they all helped to grow this whole thing back in the seventies and eighties. And all we wanted to do was have our music as a mainstream music. Mm. And so we fought and fought and fought and blah, 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 blah. To, you know, we, we played it and Roy used to own a record shop called Craft Records and so he's been a jobbing DJ all his life and blah, blah. And he's produced bands and um, managed bands. So we sat down and we was going to write this because what actually happened was once Kiss got legalised, 70% of the pop charts was... What our music, it may have been kind of ravey and housey and stuff like that, wow. but overall, 70% of the of our music that Kiss was playing back when it got released, 1990 and so uh, the next three or four years, was our kind of music. Mm. But what we hadn't put into the whole um, thing when we was back in 1970 or so was that once it becomes big, then the big companies get involved and bastardise it all and it all becomes shit again. Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of... And also, as soon as something becomes in the charts, even if it's a great record, you, you think of all the great records that have been out there, Aretha Franklin records, stuff like that. As soon as it goes in the charts, there's a whole section of people who go, 
Oh, it's pop music now. Ooh, I yeah, don't like it's that. True. And it's true. <laughs> and you go, ah, yeah. Colvin. <laughs> it's so true. Because you can, like, you, if they make something commercialised, it's almost good, yes, because it's getting heard and it's getting seen by such a growing sort of population. But mm. it can almost sort of take away the the heart and soul of the record, yeah, right? that's it. And it's 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 just such a... And in a way, that's why the youth of today... It's a totally different thing because they 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 don't do things the way that we used to do things. You know, they they don't listen to radio as much. Everything they you know their whole music um, thing is all about pinging from peers. So their mates will ping them a track and go YouTube this and blah. <laughs> it's pinging from peers, and that's what that's what it is. It's kind of they that's how they create their whole system, and they kind of they their their um, phone or pad or whatever is their complete entertainment system. Yeah. Whether it's their film, their um, TV, their kind of their music, their kind of whatever it is. Yeah. It's, and it's a totally different way. So how do you define success? How do you... Um, peace of mind. See, I used to, for years, I used to define success as having loads of money, having loads of noughts in a bank account. And on my third wife, I realised that actually it's not. It's actually being with somebody that whether you live in a one-bedroom muse house, little kind of, or whether you live in a eight-bedroom um, massive mansion thing, it's, it's got nothing to do with that at all. It's actually about peace of mind and being happy in yourself and actually loving what you're doing. And it's not about all oh, money, money, money. No. You know, I, I earn a fraction of what I've ever earned in my life. In fact, <laughs> it's ridiculous. I earn nothing now <laughs> compared to what I've ever earned. But... I've been the happiest. Happy. And, you know, obviously my partner is part of this. Um, Deborah, since we've been together, we've been part of this because of her. Um, because she's given me the kind of the scope to do the things I want to do, but also been the supportive one. And we just get on. We kind of, she's, her birthday's the 9th of May and mine's the 10th of May. So you're Torians? So we, yeah, both Torians, both very, very similar. Apart, a couple of decades apart, but I mean, <laughs> it's kind of, but one day apart in numbers. Um, but yeah, no, we we kind of we we that is happiness. That yeah, is kind I of agree. that's what I call success. Mm. It cost me a million pounds to find that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, it did seriously. It cost me a million pound in divorces and kind of losing money and thinking that having a Ferrari is the thing yeah. you got to have. And so you realise that it spends more time in the garage than it does in your in your drive. <laughs> so. And at what point in your life do you think you realise that that? You know, when so I've lost all my money, that it, it was a, <laughs> when I spent it all. <laughs> no, <laughs> I can't be. I'm being um, flippant now. Um, at what point in my life? It was actually. Um, it was actually after. Um, it was when I met my partner now, and kind of she really isn't motivated by money or anything. She's just she really. She, if I was to go and buy her a, a a nice handbag from a shop, she'd be like, "Why look." This, I'd rather you uh, spend time with me. Yeah, and it's kind of, there's no, so with her and also because we've got such a great relationship and that has kind of, all through my life, you think that money buys all the things that you need. But actually it doesn't, you know, and I've kind of, I've had a roller coaster. <laughs> my, my dad done a great speech at the, my last wedding. <laughs> He's been to all three of them, thankfully. <laughs> and... Um, he said, you know, my life's been a real roller coaster of a ride. It's been ups, it's been real highs and it's been real lows and ups and downs and kind of, you know, throughout the whole thing of it. And um, he said that, you know, kind of this, this lady has really kind of 
derailed him and sort of put him on a safer track that's a much more level track and it's true it's because amazing. since I met her I money isn't everything yeah. money doesn't buy happiness it helps pay the bills don't get me wrong it's nice to have a little bit and have you know it's good to have that but it's definitely not everything and how would you define love um all encompassing uh love um how would i define love oh my god for a man that's only been in love once um how would i define love I think love is just something that makes you warm and makes you kind of, you know, it's a commitment. Um, love isn't, you know, just sex or it isn't just um, adoring the outside skin. It's it's on... Love, okay, well, here we go. Love is a multi-tiered thing. I think yeah. that kind of love is, it's an attraction, it's a sexual attraction, it's a facial attraction, it's an intelligence attraction, but it's also the actual emotions and the actual feeling that you have with each other. And, you know, that's how I define it. It's kind of, it's a partnership. It's kind of, you know, um, and it's different in all the different loves. Like my love for my mum and dad is different to my love to my daughter, which is different to my love to my wife. So going on to your fourth song choice, um, what's this about? My fourth song choice, goodness me. George Benson has always been amazing. And one record that I don't think has been played enough by him is uh, Gonna Love You More. And I just think that it's a great song and it just reminds me of kind of great rare groovy days and kind of um, pirate days and I don't know, it's, it's, I've always loved George Benson. I'm gonna love you more, more than anything you heard about I'm gonna love you more, more than any day and Is George Benson gonna love you more? So, all right. If you had your time again, is there anything you would change, or do you believe in never having no regrets? Um, goodness me, I, I I disagree with the saying. If I knew then what I knew now, blah blah. Because blah, if I knew then what I know now, you wouldn't do anything. <laughs> um, so I don't have any regrets. Um, I I kind of I think that kind of the the whole. I mean. In a way, I regret not having a child earlier. I mean, I've, I've got a three-year-old, the first child. Yeah, so is that your had. own child? That's my only child. My only child I've ever had is like uh, Georgia, Gigi. But um, maybe because I wasn't you, ready before. Wasn't I wasn't growing up and enough. And you hadn't found the right person. <laughs> That's right. And because of our ages, if it had been before, it would have been the wrong time and all the rest of it. So I believe that everything works yeah. for a reason and... And I've actually had a wonderful life. I've had an amazing life, really. I mean, I've had a life which I've, I've got stories that could make your hair curl, um, but I won't tell oh, you come them. On. No. <laughs> no, I can't do that. But um, I, I've had a, I've had a, I've had an amazing life. I've kind of I've had amazing houses, cars. I've had everything I've ever wanted, um, and realised that kind of the only thing I really want is kind of to be happy in myself, and which is what I finally found about sort of ten years ago. Um, a kind of a self-happiness that kind of... Wonderful feeling. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. So, yes, I'd do it all... I'd probably do it all exactly the same. That's good. What a fool. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid boy. What's the matter with him? <laughs> so, moving on to my soul, what yeah. is your vision? So, you obviously... 
Um, I think My Soul is, uh, it, it started off as a, um, uh, as a dream and now the dream is being realised. It's kind of, I started off, um, I started off wanting to prove a point really and that's that there, when I, I've done some research on the radio market and there wasn't a radio station which um, catered for the X kiss generation mm -hmm. so there wasn't an ex-kiss generation station so i what does that mean it means that between 1985 and the year 2000 there was a million to two million people every week listening to kiss as a pirate and then kiss legal and so all the djs that were on there so whether it's jumping jack frost or whether it was um, jazzy b or whether it was so um davy j or whoever i mean it was and um, Dr. Bob Jones, Paul Trouble Anderson. Well, yeah, I could keep going on and on. Shut up, cool. um, And when I researched the marketplace, none of the existing radio stations were brave enough to actually put on um, a DAB or FM platform that format, a station which dealt with that audience. Yeah. And we know that there's a million, two million of them that used to listen to Choice and Kiss every week between 1990 and 2000. Mm-hmm. So our whole, my whole thing was to, well, I started looking at that. Then I looked at the audience and then I looked at all the DJs that used to be on the stations that used to play that. And none of them were on any legal radio station. Jazzy B wasn't on a legal radio station at that wow. time. Um, Dr. Bob Jones wasn't. Jumping Jack Frost wasn't. Uh, Lindsay West. I, mean, I can go on and on and on and on, on with all the different DJs. So there the was station. a massive gap to so, create yeah. myself. So, I, I kind of thought, well, if nobody's doing it, it, it needs to be there. There needs to be a station I want to listen to. <laughs> and because I've always kind of done radio for my generation, so they've kind of grown up with me. <laughs> so when I was 20 or whatever, and 25, 28 and all that stuff, doing um, Kiss Pirate and all that stuff, yeah. my audience were all kind of, um, fifteen to twenty-four, twenty-five, or whatever, and I was slightly a bit older, and it's the same now because they've all grown up, you know. Because those people that used to be sort of, you know, between eighty-five and two thousand, if you was listening to Kiss or Choice or whatever back then, then and you was type of fifteen to twenty-four, mm -hmm. then now you're thirty-five to sixty-five. Yeah, of course. And you know, it's kind of it's it's just moved on that bit. And that's what we found. Mm. You know, our average age is 45 years old. They love mm. everything from old school to new cool. Yeah. And, the, you know, so I, I talked to all different DJs. said, look, this is what I want to do. It's a crime that you're not on radio. <laughs> and got the backing of everybody. And so everybody from Jazzy B. And what, to and what about the younger generation? I mean, I'm younger than sort of that. And I wasn't necessarily around when Kiss was, you know, back mm. formulated. But I love, I mean, I just... I, music is my life. I think music is life. And I love the soul music. And that's obviously one of the reasons why we're sitting here now. But um, do you think that the younger generation, there's a massive opportunity for them to be educated and start tuning into or being part of my soul? Oh, definitely. I, I think that kind of that's our secondary audience. You mm. know, uh, my soul has like four audiences. It has... The people that used to listen to Kiss and Choice back in those days, you know, back in those year, the year of sort of 85 to 2000, 
Um, and they're people that don't go out. They're people that listen at home or just like the music. And it reminds them of, oh, yeah, I remember taking my first E to that. Or I was doing my first all night. Or, oh, I remember <laughs> having a shake to that one. Hey. <laughs> um, so you've got, you've got that. They're the kind of invisible people um, that just like the music and just will tune in. They won't necessarily pick up the phone and go, oh, I want to win this competition or go out to the clubs. Then you've got the people that are um, the, the club um, you know, they'll, they'll, they're, they're re, um, reigniting their love for it and they've got rid of their children. So they're just dipping in and out and doing a few big events. Yep. And then you've got the people on the scene and they go out two to three times a month and they'll go to a concert and they'll go to a Ronnie Harrell gig and they'll go to a yep. My Soul gig and they'll go to, um, a, a trip away, you know, a, a Southport weekend, a thing, or they'll go to, you know, th- and you've got that kind of set. And then you've got the other set, which just love soulful music. And they haven't got the history or anything else, but they just actually like listening because they like soulful music. They kind of, they mm-hmm. don't, they don't go, oh, I remember Jumping Jack Frost when he used to do this club or whatever, because they don't, they weren't around, you know, a bit yeah, like what you're talking about yeah. with yourself. Um, but they just love soulful music and they love mm-hmm. what we're doing because they've got it from their parents or their bigger brothers and sisters or that or they just like soulful music yeah and that's the other generation that we're getting and that's the other a nice transition yeah Yeah. so djs generally it's quite a male-dominated industry why do you think that is i mean do you do you think it's that would change um oh dear i i've got four female djs and i'm forever being um attacked about not having enough um there are more male DJs than female DJs. Um, and um, most I find most female DJs are good in clubs. Um, they're great in clubs. Some of them have got great voices and great on radio. Yeah. Um, it's, it is a male-dominated thing. But like, like everything in life, I mean, it's awful. Yeah, it's, it's a shame. It's terrible. <laughs> white men <laughs> dominate like that. everything. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's just, it, it's just the way it is. Um, I don't, I don't pick, I don't pick anybody on, I won't go, oh, we need a woman. doesn't matter what she sounds like. Or, oh, we need a black DJ or, oh, we need a white DJ. Just take them for who they are. I just, I pick people for who they are and what, you know, what they can offer. So what's the future of my soul? I mean, obviously you've got the radio, you've got events, you've got my great soul festival, you've got my beefer coming up. What's the idea? Do you want to do more events or have you got other things in the pipeline? I, I, I think really the future of radio is online offerings. And so we've just launched something called My Soul Connoisseurs, which yep. is everything on there has never been in the charts. You know, if you look at My Soul, we play everything from Kenny, uh, from I don't know, um, Tears by Frankie Knuckles to yep. um, let's talk about Sex Baby by you mm-hmm. know um, Salt and Pepper to funky new soulful stuff to you know James Brown. I mean, we re- we really play a bit of everything. And so the next thing for us is the subgenres. So we've done a My Soul Connoisseurs, which is everything on there has never been in the chart. And it's just real soulful music, you know, kind of deep soulful music. We've got My House coming along. We've got My R&B, My Reggae. And, you know, who knows? It could be My Rag or My Grime, My Anything You Want to Do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the world is your oyster. Um, and so really it's just finding markets and finding the right kind mm. of people for that. And, you know... That is the future. The future is online offerings and content and everything else. And that's what we're kind of building up for. But we're on DAB, we're in DAB in Manchester, Brighton, London, um, for my soul. And 
we're kind of we're, we're building the brand really yeah it's amazing so your fifth song choice this is a bit of a, a this is a, a real i love this record it's by the alessi brothers and it's called oh Laurie. and it's an it was it's kind of a pop record back in the 70s or whatever i'm not quite sure you have to look that one up i mean and it just is it's a great summary record So that was the Alessi Brothers, Oh Laurie. And what's the one mantra you would say you stand by in life? Um, <laughs> this may shock some people that have dealt with me, but treating people the way you want to be treated. <laughs> because yeah, it's, I think that kind of, it, if you treat people the way you want to be treated and they don't treat you the same way back, then you just, they, you know, you lose them as friends or as acquaintances or as mm. business people or whatever. People that are like-minded to you um you you manage to keep around you and kind of make a really good um strong bond with and so that's that's really i think that's yeah treat people the way you want to be treated (laughs) 